the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead, and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church, that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The readings of Holy Scripture for this, the first Sunday in Lent, the Old Testament reading from the 22nd chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 18. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so they both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
epistle lesson from the first chapter of James. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, then, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the gospel of our Lord. We confess together our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today for this first Sunday in Lent is from the Old Testament reading, Genesis the 22nd chapter, where Moses writes that God tested Abraham and he said to him, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, The the fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. So far our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus Christ. History is largely made up of fathers who had sons. And throughout history there have been many famous pairs of these progenitors and their progenies. Our own American history Both cultural and political gives us dozens upon dozens of noted father and son combinations. There's the famous father-son acting team of Kirk and Michael Douglas, each an acclaimed actor in his own right. Or Martin and Charlie Sheen or Donald and Kiefer Sutherland. In sports, recall the tandem baseball sensations of Ken Griffey Sr. and Jr. I don't have to tell Bay Area baseball fans about Bobby and Barry Bonds. American politics, too, has given us famous fathers and sons like Presidents John Adams, John Quincy Adams, or more recently, the former Presidents George H.W. Bush and son George W. Bush. But one father-son combination that doesn't often make the famous dads and sons list is that of, of Benjamin Franklin and his son William. When in his famous experiment, Father Ben raised his kite with metal key attached into the thunderstorm, it was his son William at his side, his lone companion. One history writer recounts this father-son team this way. He writes, Together they traveled through the western wilds of Pennsylvania during the French and Indian War. They fought in the colonies' fractious political battles. Ben helped his father, rather Ben helped his son attain the post of royal governor of New Jersey. William's government hired Ben to represent the colony in London. Father Benjamin had a very special working relationship with son William. As both father and son seemed to thrive on and be energized by the work of the other, they were confidants, co-consultants, partners in their work. Though their relationship sadly ended in a great falling out, Benjamin and son William Franklin did, at least for a time, know the special sort of relationship and bond that can exist between a father and his son. Maybe you yourself know it too. Maybe you were blessed in that way in your younger years, maybe more recently. That's been the case for you and your father. Or maybe it will be in time as God works through special circumstances or even difficult circumstances in life to bring two together. How special the relationship can be when it's a father's only son. How then could it now be How could it be as it was now for Abraham? How could it be that after years and even decades of having a son by Sarah only in the imagination of his hopes and his dreams of what could be, how could it now be that after countless nights of Abraham's being on his knees begging the Lord, not for many sons, just for one son by his wife, how could it now be that having, having seen this long ago promise materialize so that he could now hold him in his arms and behold him with his eyes 
and call him by his name and watch him grow? If God is good, how in the world could it now be that Abraham and his only begotten from Sarah, his beloved Isaac, how could it be that they were now ascending that dreadful climb of sacrifice? How could God do this? Having given, how could he take now back? You don't have to be Abraham to know Father Abraham's hurt. We've all at one time or another found ourselves climbing the mountain of sacrifice with the threat of losing the Isaacs of our life, those things that mean the world to us, those things that we don't think that we could do without. We've all found ourselves climbing uncertainties, ominous climb, asking ourselves the very same question, how could this now be? How, Lord, could it be that you're now taking from me abilities or, or health that I just don't think I can do without? Lord, how can it now be that, that you're taking from me one that I so dearly love, one that I don't think I can do without? How can it now, Lord, be? We've all been there. We've all been there in the storm's fury with Abraham, in the tempest. In the tempest where the warm front of God's promises and assurances to his own collides with the cold reality of what he's requiring of his own. There in that tempest. Promises crashing into the present reality. So often precipitating in that question, why God? You've been there. If not, you will be. The Germans have a word for the anguish of that kind of internal tension, of trying to reconcile the promise with the present reality, calling faith itself into question. They call it anfechtung. Anfechtung, the, the tension of trying to reconcile the promise with the present. Faith. Hope's fruition, faith's validation, squarely challenged on life's Mount Moriah's be they big or small. In life's anfectum, the temptation is to trust in the Lord with half of our heart, lean mostly on our own understanding, and we so often do it, just like Abraham did it. Not in today's account, but certainly previously and prior, when early on he saw no sign of this promised son. And so what did he do? Leaning on his own understanding, he sired a son, remember, by his servant girl? Ishmael, or recall Israel of old, whom, whom God tested in the desert, in the wilderness, withholding food and water for a time from them. What did they do? Did they patiently wait upon the hand of the Lord and, and His promise that He would provide for them? Did they patiently endure the trial as did our Lord for those 40 long days in the wilderness? No. No, they grumbled and loudly, even daring to question the wisdom of God in bringing them out of Egypt. And you know your own time in the wilderness. Each of us knows better than any other here the kind of trouble that we've created for ourselves when we, like Abraham before us, have taken matters into our own hands instead of relying on God's promises. Each of us knows how loudly we've complained like the children of Israel before. How loudly we've complained when the manna has been withheld from us for a time. 
Dear friends, it was poor old Job. Remember Job? It was Job who said it well, having in a single day lost not one of his children, but all of them. In a single day, losing not only his children, but all of his wealth, it was Job whose wife told him, curse God and die. Having fallen so ill and sick, it was Job who gave us this thought. He said, shall we indeed accept good from God and then not adversity from his hand? In the text for today, Abraham, like Job, refused to curse God and die, but by grace that God alone gives, he clung to that promise. And the promise was this. Abraham, as many as the stars in the sky, so will your descendants be. That was the promise. Walking up that dreadful climb, beholding beside him the promise enfleshed his son, Isaac. He knew that God kept that promise. And he knew that God would keep the promise of descendants too. And so therefore, with more confidence in God's promise than in the present appearance of things, Abraham made a mighty confession to those two servants. Do you remember in the Old Testament reading what he said? He said to those servants that came with, he said, you two stay here. We, my son and I, we will worship and we will come back to you. Abraham, rather, Luther said that these were Abraham's thoughts. He said, today I have a son. Tomorrow I shall have nothing but ashes. I don't know how long they will lie scattered, but they will be brought back to life again, whether this happens while I'm still alive or a thousand years after I'm gone. For the word declares that I shall have descendants through Isaac, even though he's been reduced to ashes. Confidence in the promises of God. Friends, climb your Mount Moriahs with that very same confidence in his promises. Whether the Lord returns to you your Isaacs now by his own design, or you have to wait for them to be restored a hundredfold over on heaven's side of the mountain, nevertheless climb. Climb with certainty every challenging ascent that would be uncertain. Climb, climb knowing God's promises cannot fail. And do you know why you can climb with such certainty? You can climb with certainty knowing that all is working together for your good according to God's promise and purpose. You can climb with certainty because a certain father was willing to give up his son. And I'm not talking about Abraham. As godly an example as Abraham is here in this text, the account ultimately, ultimately is not about the father who almost gave up his son. It really points us to the father who did. This account is not ultimately about Abraham's faithfulness, but ultimately it's about God's faithfulness in keeping his promises to us. Ultimately, the account here today is not about the son of Abraham who carried the load of wood for the sacrifice on his back. It's about the son of God who carried the weight of the world's sin upon his shoulders. For it was no accident at all that a male lamb, a ram, was caught in a thicket nearby the altar of sacrifice. 
For Isaac's sake, God's lamb entered into the thicket that day. For the sake of the world. And for the life of the world. The lamb of God on a future day and on an eternal altar would enter into the thicket of our sin. And onto the altar... And onto the altar of the cross, all because a certain father, God the Father, was willing to permit the sacrifice of his willing son. It reminds me of a certain father you may well have heard of before. A particular man had the duty to raise a drawbridge and to allow steamers to pass by on the river below and then to lower the drawbridge again to allow passenger trains to cross over the river and onto the land on the other side. One day this man's son visited him at work. He had heard so much about what his dad did at work as they talked around the dinner table and the young boy was excited to see his dad doing what his dad did. He was a curious boy, this boy, as he visited his dad at work, as most boys are curious. But being curious, he peeked into a particular trap door that was always open so that his dad could keep an eye on the mighty gears below that raised and that lowered the drawbridge. Well, suddenly the curious boy lost his footing. And he tumbled down into the gears. Well, the father quickly, of course, reached down to pull him out, but the boy was caught in the gears. And just then, the father heard the whistle of an approaching train. Frantically, he tried to free his son, but to no avail, and his heart sank. He knew the train would be full of people, and that it would be impossible to stop the fast-moving locomotive. The bridge had to be lowered. If he saved the people, his son would be crushed in the cogs. If he saved his son... All aboard the train would surely be lost. He loved his son. With tears welling up in his eyes, he reached down and he grabbed hold of the lever and he pulled the lever. And all of the people were saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And his son, unlike that little boy in the account, he knew exactly and precisely what he was doing. God's son went uncomplaining forth into the thicket of our sin, onto the sacrificial altar of the cross, silent as the lamb in today's text he went. Why? Quite simply, dear Isaac, he went to die in your place. The renowned 17th century Lutheran hymnist Paul Gerhardt, with whom we've become rather familiar over the past couple of years here, Gerhardt tenderly depicts in hymnic rhyme the love for the fa- of the Father for us in his Son in a hymn that's been called the Masterpiece of Passion Hymns. A lamb goes uncomplaining forth. We'll sing it in a few minutes. In this hymn, he writes this. This lamb is Christ, the soul's great friend, the lamb of God, our Savior, whom God the Father chose to send to gain for us his favor. 
And then the father speaks, go forth, my son, the father said, and free my children from their dread of death and condemnation. The wrath and stripes are hard to bear, but by your passion they will share the fruit of your salvation. And then in this next verse, the son answers. And he says, yes, father. Yes, most willingly, I'll bear what you command me. My will conforms to your decree. I'll do what you have asked me. And then the hymnist wonders in amazement. Oh, wondrous love, what have you done? The Father offers up His Son, desiring our salvation. Oh, love, how strong you are to save. You lay the one into the grave who built the earth's foundation. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, When we find ourselves like Abraham, standing at the foot of a climb of uncertainty, then in the face of the present reality and situation, remember this promise of God, He who spared not His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He then not freely give us all things needful? God Himself has provided, sacrifice and all. Remain seated, but join now with me in singing our post-sermon hymn, that masterpiece of all passion hymns, hymn 438, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth.
whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs, we pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for all of your goodness and for the love that sustains us from day to day. We praise you especially this day for the gift of your Son, the Lamb of God who willingly went forth to bear the sin of all the world. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who has created and sustains our faith in Christ through your word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Through your Son who resisted Satan and has overcome him, equip us with your word that hidden in Christ we may stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Defend us from evil of every kind and from luring temptations and vexing tribulations, that we may not despair when tried by them, but rather then fix our eyes upon our Lord Jesus, in whose presence devils tremble. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant the wisdom of your word to all pastors as they tend to your flock, that those whom you have entrusted to their care may be nurtured in the faith through your word and sacraments and confess it boldly in their homes and to those they encounter as they live out their vocations in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Preserve our nation, O God, from all who would weaken it from within or attack it from without. Guide our president in his administration and the legislators and judicial system of our land as they attempt to address the critical issues of our times. Grant success to all that is in accord with your will for our nation and prevent the enactment of all that is contrary to it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all honest and faithful labor and leisure and rest and bless us all through the useful arts and sciences and culture of our people. Provide for all who are unemployed and all who are incapable of being employed and take under your special protection those whose work is difficult or dangerous. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. By your word and Holy Spirit, comfort all who are in sorrow. Comfort also, O Lord, those in need. Restore the health of those who are sick or grant them endurance as they await your deliverance. Heal those recovering from accidents, especially our brother J.C. Cox, and receive our thanks that he was spared severe injury. Be with Lois Pearson, who recovers from a fall, with those of our church family who are chronically ill, Paul Duell, Margie Fleming, Glenn Miller, Dick and Elsie Much, Martin Borkenhagen, Robert Latham, Hugh Ryan. Grant your daily strength to those recovering from surgery, Hank Harrington, Terrell Small. Grant also your strength to those undergoing chemotherapy, Maggie Schuster. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, because you provided for our eternal salvation through the giving of your own Son, we are confident that you will provide us with all that we need as we live out our days of pilgrimage in this world. Through the example of the faithful who have gone before us, encourage us and grant us your strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And grant us now the very body and the blood of your Son, that we might be sustained by it, Unto that day when we celebrate anew with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the saints the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom. Amen. So the Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. 
It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. And therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of Sabbath, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is our kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith toward you, and in fervent love toward one another, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Thank you. 